On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Twelve sweets are swinging Eleven new days dawning Ten usos flying Nine divas dancing Eight bodies slamming Seven Russians crushing Six meat hooks dropping And five dirty deeds Four zigzags Three beauties brawling Two stunt doubles And the universe of WWE Happy holidays from our family to yours Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! I'm back! Miss me? The spirit of Ultimate Warrior will run forever! Happy holidays, folks, and welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio. I am your host, Graham Giason Matthews. We are only two days away from Christmas. I couldn't be any more excited. So regardless of whether you're celebrating Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Three Kings Day, I hope you are having a great and very happy holiday season. So that being said, I said in last week's episode that uh, I will be off of campus, not streaming live on EC Radio on live365.com backslash stations backslash ECTV73 until late January, early February. I am off on winter break until then. But uh, in the meantime and in between time, though, we're going to be recording podcasts here from my home. And uh, today's just going to be a glorified review of last night's episode of Christmas Raw, um, which I always enjoy. A lot of people don't. But I thought last night's episode was a little bit better than most Christmas Raws we've been uh, accustomed to seeing in recent years. But even so, though, even though I will not be on campus and you know talking with RJ over the next six to seven weeks... We will be uh, having some new content up every single week here on the show. Like today, I'll, there's not really much to work with. I'm just going to be reviewing Raw, maybe getting to some WrestleMania 31 dream predictions, a dream card perhaps, by the end of the show if we still have some time. But over the next couple of weeks, um, over the course of January, I'm going to be having a number of interviews here on the show. I sat down with Giovanni Roselli, a.k.a. Romeo Roselli of Northeast Wrestling, also the star of Gotham on FX or Fox, I believe it is, which is awesome. Um, I was able to catch up with him in November as well in the event that I attended. But uh, So that being said, yeah, I sat down with him for an interview about two, three months ago. It's been sitting in the can for the last couple of months since then, I've just been waiting for a perfect opportunity to host it here on the show. So thankful, or hopefully we'll be able to get it here on the show either next week or the week after. I also sat down with RJ last week in the studio. We did some commentary over an old Royal Rumble matchup from 2006 um, when Rey Mysterio won the Rumble that year. We sat down for an hour doing commentary over that matchup, and that's probably going to air and a WrestleRant radio closer to the Rumble event in late January, so be on the uh, be on the lookout for that. And I'll hopefully also be catching up with John Knapp, uh, John Napolitano, at John Knapp17 on Twitter, and hopefully we can be talking WrestleMania 31, 32, and everything else. I sat down with him, or I saw him a couple of days ago. Hopefully we can get him back on the show within the near future, and we'll be talking everything from Raw, WrestleMania, and everything else in between, so hopefully I'll be able to catch up with him in the very near future. 
But uh, in the meantime, and in between time, though, Monday Night Raw last night, Raw Christmas, and uh, for July uh, for December twenty second, two thousand fourteen, very good episode on the whole. I thought, um, like I said before, usually these Christmas Raws we've been getting in recent years, one fell on Christmas Eve, the last one fell on this day a year ago, the twenty third. So the closer to Christmas it is, the more matches on the show, from what I've noticed, are more Christmas themed and a lot of throwaway random matches. And I mean, it's really not all that surprising. It's a holiday show; they don't want to give too much away. They did last night, but I'm not complaining because it made for a strong show. And um, I saw some people complaining that a lot of these matches couldn't been used on a pay-per-view. But if you really think about it, a lot of these feuds are just kind of rematches from TLC that we're more than likely not going to see at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view anyway. The Royal Rumble isn't for another month as they film this, so I don't think they're going to be carrying on Ambrose and Wyatt and Cena and Rollins especially. They're not going to be doing that for the next month. Or even... What was the other match in the show that we got? Roman Reigns in the Big Show or Ziggler and Harper for the IC title. I think a lot of these feuds are going to be blown off before then, so I didn't really have a problem with a lot of these clean finishes to these matches on this show, so I thought it made for a very strong show on the whole. There was some Chris- Christmas silliness, like I said before. I enjoyed it. I love the Christmas season, so I didn't really uh, really mind it all too much. And it was kind of you know kept to a minimum for the most part, so I didn't really mind it, like I said before. That being said, though, kicking off the show was WWE Hall of Famer Hulk Ho-Ho Hogan um, being confronted by John Cena. Those two talking about all the matches made for later on the night. Ziggler versus Harper for the Intercontinental Championship. Dean Ambrose versus Bray Wyatt and the 34th on Miracle Street Fight, a match that I always look forward to every December. We got it uh, back in 2011, I think, with Orton Otunga. We got it two years ago with Cena and Del Rio, the year that Del Rio ran over Santa Claus. I don't think we got one last year. But uh, we did get one this year in the main event. I'll get to that in a little bit. Bray Wyatt versus Dean Ambrose, which is pretty cool. So they're confirming all these matches for later on in the show. Out comes John Cena talking about how he wants a rematch with Seth Rollins. And uh, they're just kind of going back and forth. Out comes Seth Rollins telling John Cena to shut up. Um, No one wants to hear him anymore. His time is up. My time is now, he says. So they're just kind of going back and forth. Hogan makes it official. It's going to be John Cena versus Seth Rollins on this show tonight. And it's going to be up next. So the opener, John Cena versus Seth Rollins. A rematch from the TLC pay-per-view. A rematch from last week's episode of Monday Night Raw. But unlike both of those matches... This matchup didn't have a stipulation. John Cena's number one contender spot to the WWE Championship was not on the line. Uh, there was no tables match stipulation. It wasn't a steel cage match. It's a straight-up singles match between Seth Rollins and John Cena. So sometimes that's always the best thing. Sometimes you don't always need a stipulation to make these matches better. And I thought it improved the quality of the matchup overall. Rollins and Cena have had some very good matches in the past. I know they had a match over the summer. They had a match, I believe, right after the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view the night after. And, of course, the few matches in recent memory. And Rollins and Cena have always worked well together, so I really, really enjoyed this matchup. A lot of great action. Some interference from J&J security, Jamie Noble, who celebrates a birthday today, so happy birthday to him, as well as Joey Mercury. But, you know, per usual, that was kept to a minimum. I hate when interference usually clogs up these matches, and I'm glad that was uh, really not as prominent in this matchup as it was in the tables match eight days ago or from the show um, at the TLC pay-per-view, but... Cena and Rollins working a great matchup. John Cena going over clean following a double attitude adjustment to Mercury and Noble, which I thought was awesome. That spot never ceases to amaze me. And um, Cena hits the AA on Seth Rollins for the victory. So I thought this was a great opener. Um, some people were saying, I mean, I didn't, I obviously was not as pissed as some people were. Um, I didn't see a lot of hatred towards Cena, towards Seth Rollins losing clean. I didn't really think that was a big deal. As long as they don't make it a regular thing to have him lose 
every single week in clean fashion. I'm completely okay with it. Um, I mean, they were one apiece technically with Rollins winning last week on Raw, John Cena winning at the TLC pay-per-view. So kind of the rubber match here. As long as the feud doesn't continue, I mean, if it continues, fine. But I'd have no problem if this was a blow-off on this show so John Cena can fully focus on uh, if Brock Lesnar come to Royal Rumble when he contends for that WWE World Heavyweight Championship one final time. But speaking of Brock Lesnar, though, I was a little confused as to why he wasn't on this show. There's a number of reasons, I guess, because I thought he lived in his home state of uh, Minnesota. I guess he doesn't. Someone informed me last night on Twitter that he actually currently resides in Canada, so I understand that. And the fact that it was a holiday show, maybe they didn't want to bring him in for a holiday show if his presence wasn't needed. I mean... The lack of Brock Lesnar on this show didn't drag down the show. I thought it was a very strong and enjoyable addition on the whole. So I didn't really mind it, but it was just kind of nitpicking things. This was his home state after all. Um, the fans were chanting for Brock Lesnar in the opening segment with Cena, Hogan, and Rollins. And uh, Brock Lesnar was nowhere to be seen on this show. And of course, like many of you, I am also frustrated. Not technically a Brock Lesnar, but more so WWE's booking of him and not getting him on more shows on the road to the Royal Rumble or WrestleMania, because obviously he's been absent from the program for the last three months. They don't show him in vignettes on the show. They don't even mention him more often than not. It's ridiculous. I mean, I'm all on board with Brock Lesnar being champion. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to turn completely, uh, not you know, pull a 180 on him and say that putting the championship on him was the wrong move. It was the right move to have him beat John Cena in the fashion he did at SummerSlam. I'm not going against that whatsoever. But what is wrong, however, is the fact that WWE has not had him prevalent or had him relevant on this show since he won that championship. He competed in his final match at the United Champions pay-per-view over three months ago and has been absent from the pay-per-view or has been absent from Monday Night Raw ever since. I don't blame Brock Lesnar. I more so blame WWE for not booking him for more dates and at least put him in another feud or two, at least someone different from John Cena or The Undertaker. Obviously, The Undertaker isn't going to come back for a championship match against Brock Lesnar. But it would have been nice if we were able to see Lesnar versus Orton or Lesnar versus uh, Lesnar versus Cesaro, even, which I've seen some people pitch what I think could be amazing. Lesnar versus Ziggler, I know it's very unlikely, but it would still be awesome with Ziggler being in the hot streak that he is on right now. So anything along those lines I think could have been great. But the only thing we've really gotten out of this Brock Lesnar championship run is just rematch after rematch after rematch, literally with John Cena. These two have had... Three rematches, one at SummerSlam, one at Night of Champions, and now one coming up at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. Hopefully they can give these guys a no-disqualification stipulation. They thrived in that environment at the Extreme Rules pay-per-view a couple of years ago. In 2012, I think it was, at Extreme Rules. And that was one hell of a match. Easily one of the best matches of the year. And I didn't really mind. I mean, I liked their SummerSlam matchup, not for like the in-ring action, but more so of the way that it was laid out and Brock Lesnar just dominating the shit out of John Cena. It's something that you, don't, that you don't see all too often, especially in the main event of a pay-per-view like SummerSlam with a guy like John Cena, who is known to be, it's supposed to be vice versa with him dominating his opponent. So that was a nice change of pace. The Night of Champions match was very good. I thought it was good, um, but it could have been better. There was a lot of finisher after finisher after finisher. That was mostly what all it was. But if this is, if this is going to be built up as you know this, the, the, the final matchup between Brock Lesnar and John Cena at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view, the be-all, end-all of this feud, it should be given a no-holds-barred or even you know no disqualification, all the same shit. I know WWE made a joke of that. Not directly, but I mean, remember last week on Raw when it was Jericho and Heyman and the app choices were like no disqualification, no-holds-barred, and street fight, even though they're all the same thing? I thought that was comical. 
But um, still, though, I think this matchup could use one of those kind of stipulations in that if this is going to be the blow-off of the feud, that's the only real thing that's going to sell me on John Cena versus Brock Lesnar for a fourth time. And I'm not counting their match like back in 02 or 03, whenever they faced off during Brock Lesnar's first run with the company. I'm only talking about since he came back to the company almost three years ago. These, fa- these guys faced off in 2012, they faced off in 2014 twice, and once again in 2015 at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view with the championship on the line. I'm the only reason, the only way I'm going to be sold on this matchup is if they give it a stipulation. It doesn't need to be an Iron Man match or a steel cage match. It's as simple as giving it no disqualification. That's it. Because we saw a standard singles match from them at SummerSlam. We saw a standard singles match from them at Net of Champions. And if this is, you're, if you're going to be building this up as the end of the feud, the last time these two will ever face off, I mean, WWE's gone up against that at the past with like Cena and Orton and all these other stupid stipulations, but whatever. Um, if this is really, truly going to be the last time that we ever see John Cena versus Brock Lesnar, they need to give it a stipulation that is fitting of the feud, like a no-holds-barred, where both guys can thrive in that environment. So hopefully that can be added. But I noted this last night on Twitter, and I thought, personally, I thought this would be a good idea. Maybe not so much from like a financial or a business standpoint, but my fantasy booking, how I would book John Cena versus Brock Lesnar, first of all, I would not have done it at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. I wouldn't have had John Cena go back to the championship at, at all. Uh, technically, I mean, they still wanted to finish up the feud. I mean, they really painted themselves in a corner. They really booked themselves in a corner with this whole storyline that John Cena, he technically won the match in Night of Champions via disqualification, and we were all hoping they would blow off the feud at Hell in a Cell inside the Hell in a Cell match, which would obviously be great, going back to what I was saying before, in that their final match needs a stipulation. It'd be great if it was inside the cell. Obviously, that didn't happen. But um, they kind of booked Johnson in a position where he needed to get his revenge on Brock Lesnar. He was screwed out of the title and out of champions. He needed that one more match. That should have happened at Hell in a Cell and not at the fucking Royal Rumble pay-per-view three months later. That just doesn't make any sense to me um, to wait that long. And, you know, they're doing this whole redemption storyline with John Cena where he's attempting to win back that WWE title. But I really, I know Brock Lesnar is not going to be on every show from now until the Royal Rumble for the next month. But he's going to be on most shows. But we saw this before. We saw this going into Extreme Rules two and a half years ago. We saw this going to SummerSlam. We saw it going to Night of Champions. What else can you really do with this feud that we haven't seen before? Maybe they'll shock me. Maybe they'll do something new and innovative with this feud. And like we saw last week, whatever they did last week with Cena getting his ass handed to him by Brock Lesnar at the end of the night and Paul Heyman seemingly joining forces with Seth Rollins. I mean, I thought that was great. That was a great way of kicking off or kicking off the re-debut, I guess, of, of this feud between Lesnar and Cena going into Royal Rumble. But what else can you really do in the next month until the pay-per-view that we haven't already seen? Brock Lesnar isn't going to wrestle a match on the show, which I'll get to in a second, but he's not going to wrestle a match. There's only so many matches, there are only so many times that we can see John Cena versus Seth Rollins. I'm not complaining. They have great matches every single time they face off. But you really got to transition Seth Rollins into something new. Maybe a mini feud with Roman Reigns going to the Royal Rumble. I know he's currently tied up with the big show. But you got to do something else with this feud that we haven't seen before. So here was my idea. Instead of doing it the Royal Rumble pay-per-view, I mean, at this point, they've already promoted it like shit. They've already promoted it like crazy that it's going to be their final time ever facing off at that pay-per-view in the next month. But if it was up to me, I would have waited to do that match instead of at Royal Rumble. I would have done that match 
on the first Raw of 2015 instead. It's not uncommon for a WWE title match to be on Monday Night Raw in the first Raw of 2015, on the first Raw of the year. We saw it back in 2010, I don't think. I think it was in the first Raw of 2011 with The Miz and... Who was it? The Miz and John Morrison, the first ever match of 2011, that Falls Count Anywhere match. I loved it. 2012, it was the, the first WWE title match of the year on that show, was CM Punk versus Dolph Ziggler. And on the first Raw of 2013, we had CM Punk versus Ryback in a TLC match with that WWE title. And that wasn't even supposed to happen. It was supposed to be that match at the TLC pay-per-view, but Punk got hurt and blah, 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 blah. And we didn't get a WWE title match on the first Raw of 2014. Who was the champion at the time? Oh, yeah, Randy Orton. And they should have done Cena versus Orton in the first Raw of 2014, but I digress. So, and I, like I said before, it is very, very, very unlikely that Brock Lesnar will ever wrestle a match on Raw. He's a huge attraction. I understand that. Some people would complain at that idea. But Brock Lesnar hasn't wrestled the match on Raw since he re-signed with the company two and a half years ago. The last time he probably wrestled on Raw was maybe 03 or 04, so... It's been well over 10 years since we saw a Brock Lesnar match on Raw. Like I said before, you don't need to make this a regular thing. He doesn't need to become a Raw regular and wrestling in every single main event of every single show. But as the first Raw of 2015, kicking off the year on a super high note, John Cena versus Brock Lesnar. And yes, the match is a draw, but how big of a, of a draw is it the fourth time you do it? Maybe, the, definitely the first match. Definitely the second match, maybe not so much in the third, definitely not the fourth. I know the Royal Rumble pay-per-view isn't about the championship matchup, but that's exactly it. That's what I posed on Twitter last night right before Raw, and that you do Cena versus Lesnar on the first Raw of 2015. I don't know how you have Brock Lesnar go over clean, and some people, some people have speculated that John Cena will be winning that championship match. I certainly hope not, but... At this point in time, I'm kind of getting that fear that it might happen. I thought it was going to happen at SummerSlam. It didn't. I thought it was going to happen at of Champions. It didn't. There's a very good chance it might happen at Royal Rumble if they want to do John Cena versus Roman Reigns. I really hope not, but I digress. So you do Cena versus Lesnar on the first Raw of 2015 for the WWE Championship. Like I said before, I don't know how you have Brock Lesnar go over clean on an episode of Raw. Like, that's a big money match. But it's not as big of a money match as it was the first time, second time, or even the third time around. The fourth time around, you're really pushing it. And it's to the point where it's not like, for the first time ever, Cena versus Lesnar on Raw. It's the fourth time they did it. But it's also a big match that's going to attract an audience for the first Raw of the year on, I think, January 5th, I think it is. So I think that'd be a great main event for the first Raw of 2015. Not happening, obviously. They've already advertised it for the Ray Rumble pay-per-view. But that same night... Similar to what they did in 2011, because remember, like I said before, it was Miz and Morrison for the WWE title on that show, but what they did later on in the night, inside the steel cage, which was unnecessary, you don't have to do it inside the steel cage, um, you do a triple threat or a number one contenders match, it could be triple threat, one-on-one, -on -one, fatal four-way, doesn't really matter. I posed it as you do Seth Rollins, who does a, have a legitimate claim to be going for that championship, even though he has the money in the bank, it doesn't really matter. We've seen Daniel Bryan in the past, who had the... World Heavyweight Championship uh, Money in the Bank briefcase. He went for the World Heavyweight title while he was still Mr. Money in the Bank. So you do Seth Rollins versus Randy Orton in a triple threat match with somebody else. You can have it be Dolph Ziggler, Ryback, Big Show, Roman Reigns. It doesn't really matter. It'd be cool if it was Roman Reigns because Seth Rollins has a problem with both of those gentlemen. And um, some people have been asking me in the hashtag AskYourSem videos and on Twitter and wherever else, um, about when Randy Orton is due back. I thought it was going to happen at Survivor Series. 
Sting debuted, so it was better to hold off on that. I thought it was going to happen at TLC. Roman Reigns came back on that night, so it was better they left off on that. They held off on it. So maybe it could be as soon as next week. It could be in the first Raw of the year. It could even be in the Rumble itself, but definitely not past that point. I know he's still filming the movie, The Condemned 2, right now, but uh, he's definitely due back. I mean, he could be back on TV right now. They just didn't really have much for him, I don't think. And um, it just hasn't been the right time yet with Roman Reigns coming back and Sting debuting and... All these other people coming back right now, it just hasn't been the right time. So, Orton will be back sooner rather than later. And you can have him come back as soon as the next week. You can have him come back on that show and advertise him in a match with Seth Rollins. Um, so, yeah, I don't want it to have it be Rollins versus Orton one-on-one, number one contenders match. Because that's a money match that you can do at WrestleMania. You can do it. Even at Fastlane, I really don't want to see it at that pay-per-view. You hold off until Mania. You can do a nice two, three-month build of that matchup. Like I said before, you can hold off Orton until the Royal Rumble pay-per-view if you want. It really doesn't matter all that much. But I would do that triple threat match. Randy Orton wins, and then you do Lesnar versus Orton for the first time ever. Or not for the first time ever. I know they had a match like an 0-2, but you know what I mean. For the first time since Lesnar returned to the company in 2012. Um, for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship at Royal Rumble, Brock Lesnar goes over, and that's it. It's a fresh matchup that we aren't, probably aren't going to see at all at this point, because if Lesnar loses at Royal Rumble, or even if he wins, it, more than likely he's heading back to UFC once his WWE contract expires after WrestleMania, which is completely fine. I really don't have a problem with that. If you asked me that a couple of years ago, I would have gotten pissed and said that he should stay with WWE. It's an easier schedule. But obviously Brock Lesnar has a passion for MMA. He's probably going to make more money there than he's in WWE. Obviously a lot more physical in that he's not wrestling every single um, he's not wrestling every few months, he's going to be competing, I mean, it's kind of a similar schedule, but he's going to be training more and whatever else, probably right now he's sitting at home watching TV or hunting or something like that, I mean, if you know what I mean, but, uh, still though, I, I do expect him back in UFC at the end of his WWE contract once it expires right after WrestleMania, so, the chances of Orton Lesnar ever happening are very, very slim, so the only time we'd be able to do it is at Royal Rumble, and someone, I, when I posed that, Theory last night on Twitter, someone said, "Well, wouldn't have enough build-up time. They would only have two, three weeks to build it before the Royal Rumble pay-per-view." Which I completely understand, but like I said before, the Royal Rumble pay-per-view is not about the championship matchup. It's all about the, the Rumble match itself. The winner getting a future WWE World Heavyweight Championship match at WrestleMania. So, and then, like I said before, I know I'm not contradicting myself here in that. Yes, you can say that the pay-per-view isn't about the title match, so why not just do Rollins or why not just do Lesnar versus Cena? You can. I mean, like I said before, it's not the end of the world, but it would be nice if we got a fresh matchup. It's not like the biggest money match they can do, but it is a pretty fucking big match. Randy Orton is a top guy in the company, and him and Lesnar have yet to square off, have even yes have had yet to clash since Lesnar's return to the company in 2012, two and a half, almost three years ago. So it'd be a nice matchup, a nice hook for the pay-per-view, something new, something innovative. And then you put John Cena in the Royal Rumble match if you want, and it really doesn't matter. And then you can have him, you know, have it come down as Cena and Reigns, and then have, you know, hopefully not the same finish that we saw at uh, in 2013 when it came down to Cena and Ryback, and uh, and John Cena won that one. I would love to see. I mean, I think that worked out great, actually, now that I think about it. You have Reigns eliminate John Cena, he gets the big rub, he goes into WrestleMania, faces Brock Lesnar for the championship. I think it's better booked that way, just my booking of it, but... um. It'd be one way of getting something new at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view from Brock Lesnar and Randy Orton as opposed to John Cena versus Brock Lesnar for the fourth time. I'd much rather give it away on an episode of Raw. 
it's not a big enough match where it should be headlining Royal Rumble again. Not main eventing, but being at that pay-per-view. But it's a big enough match where it would be a draw for any casual member of the Raw audience that would tune in and think, okay, sweet, championship match on Raw. Because we don't get championship matches on Raw or the WWE Heavyweight title defended on Raw too often. The last time I remember a WWE title match on Raw... I think we might have had one, and the one with Daniel Bryan and Triple H from earlier this year, like the night after WrestleMania, I don't count that. I can't remember the last time. I maybe won, in, I think actually Raw 1000 between CM Punk and John Cena. I think that might have been the last time the WWE title was defended in Raw, and that was a fucking big show, so I don't really, I don't, I don't blame them for doing it on that show, because it was obviously a big draw. So yeah, I, I would definitely do it that way. Like I said before, don't expect it to happen. Probably won't. Definitely won't happen because they've already advertised Cena versus Lesnar for the Rumble. But um, yeah, that's just the way that I would book it. So up next on the show, we had Fandango versus Jack Swagger. Pretty lame matchup. I mean, it really made no sense to me and why would you build up Jack Swagger. I mean, he wasn't being pushed too heavily. But they were pushing him as a threat to the United States Championship um, only a couple of weeks ago. Only two weeks ago at, at the very at the earliest. And um, they were having him getting the better of Rusev every week. And then after he loses to Rusev again at the TLC pay-per-view, he's back to jobbing to guys like Fondango the very next week. So that didn't make any sense to me. I've already talked about this here on the show before. I'm not a fan of Fondango. I'm a fan of Johnny Curtis, the wrestler. The gimmick itself, I think, has a very short shelf life. There's really not much they can do with the character. Um, at this point in time, you know, touting it as new and improved is not going to make it money gimmick. It's just a waste of time. It's a waste of this guy's talent. He, there's so much more he could be doing right now, but with the dancing, with the ballroom dancer gimmick, it's not going to go anywhere. They went there, they tried it, it got over for a night, and the night after WrestleMania last year, it wasn't, I mean, it was a combination of him getting hurt and being off TV for a while and, you know, failing to win the Intercontinental Championship in addition to WWE kind of shoving it down our throats, the whole Fondangoing thing, and trying to make it seem cool when they actually made it lame, and it was a combination of all that stuff, and he really hasn't been the same since, so I think it'd be better if they just scrapped the gimmick altogether, scrapped the character, and give Johnny Curtis something that he can actually go forward with and not be an undercard act with. I mean, I don't expect him to be like a world champion or anything like that, but I think he is capable of much more in WWE than being a throwaway undercard act as a dancing ballroom, uh, as a ballroom dancer in WWE, because as we've seen in the last couple of weeks... People just don't care about it. We've seen that we've been there, done that. It was the only thing about his character that was over was his entrance music, and they they, they you know, scrapped that from his character. So the only thing they can do with him right now is repackage him as Johnny Curtis. That's as simple as that. So up next, we had R-Truth versus Adam Rose. R-Truth going over in quick fashion. Like, the shit they're doing with Adam Rose right now, I still consider myself a Rose bud. Don't get me wrong, but we've seen the sh same shit from this character for the last three fucking months now. They first teased it on, like, the Halloween episode of SmackDown three months ago, or two months ago, I'm sorry. And they've been having this tweener Adam Rose shit ever since. Like, he would beat up the bunny this week, and he, they'd be on the same page the next week. They're not even on TV the next week, so... It's very inconsistent. I mean, that's the key word with WWE right now, and, and it has been for a very long time. But um, it's just so hard to latch on to. I mean, I hold out hope that, I mean, I don't have much hope, rather, that last night's attack on the bunny is really going to lead anywhere. If only because we've seen it before. Maybe not as brutal as we saw last night, but he's attacked the bunny in the past, and they're back to tag teaming together the very next week. So I don't really don't see 
what the point of this whole shit is. I mean, I will finally turn the page on the Adam Rose character when they finally go full heel on him, don't have him face um, any more heel opponents or have him tag team with the bunny any longer. Have this be the be-all, end-all of this storyline. Have him branch off on his own, ditch the Rosebuds, go full-on heel, maybe go Leo Kruger on, on everybody. I'm not really sure. But ditch the bunny, either scrap the character from TV altogether or unmask him. And I don't expect it to be anyone like noteworthy because they've said in the past that Adam Rose found this guy in like a party city or something like that. So it'd be weird. It wouldn't make any sense if it was like a Darren Young or something like that because I expect it to be a developmental talent that we've never seen before. So if that's the case, there's really no point in you know going further with this. So just scrap the character, scrap the gimmick, and just do something new with Adam Rose because his heel turn is not working. If last night wasn't the, 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 the final straw for Adam Rose and him going heel and they're going to keep him babyface tween or whatever, it's simply a waste of time. So hopefully this actually leads somewhere. Like I said before, we're not holding out hope because we've seen this before. It's been the same thing every single week. So hopefully this will actually lead somewhere going next going to next week. So we're up next we had Roman Reigns versus The Big Show. Roman Reigns beating Big Show by countout. The match was kept short and sweet. Didn't have a problem with this whatsoever. They're building up this feud between Roman Reigns and Big Show. Um, it's not a money match. I mean, I expect them to clash in the Royal Rumble match. Still, though, I mean, they shouldn't be the last two in the Rumble, even though Roman Reigns will probably win the Rumble. Well, I can guarantee you like 90% is going to be winning the Rumble. I think everyone can say that, but... Still, though, these two should not be the final guys in the Rumble if they're going to be pushing this feud for the next month. But, um, yeah, I didn't have a problem with the match. I mean, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. You would expect it to be slow and plotting, but for the three, four minutes that they faced off for, it was a fun matchup. I mean, they kept things, you know, they kept the pace consistent. They didn't have any dull moments or anything. And then Roman Reigns threw Big Show over the commentating table. He got stuck there for about 10 seconds. So Roman Reigns wins via countout. Big Show stays, quote-unquote, protected like he even needs to be in 2014, whatever. But, um, yeah, I didn't really have a problem with this at all. Roman Reigns gets the win, and uh, hopefully they can, you know, continue this feud going forward. I mean, it's better than the Big Show, Eric Rowan stuff. I mean, that was so fucking stupid, because they had Big Show and Eric Rowan. They did that feud at TLC. Big Show won. They have a tag team match the next night. Big Show beats Aaron, uh, Eric Rowan clean again. And then they just scrapped the feud altogether. They didn't face off or clash on the Super SmackDown. They had no interaction on this show. Eric Rome, Eric Rome wasn't even on the show. He competed on WWE Superstars against Cesaro, I think it was. So that feud was a complete waste of time. But um, I don't know what they're doing with the Wyatt family. I mean, Bray Wyatt's doing well for himself on his own. Luke Harper won the IC title, but he lost it in a month at TLC to Dolph Ziggler. And he's not doing anything right now. I mean, he's having great matches with Ziggler. But I don't know where you go with him from here. So, in retrospect, I mean, it's really... I, I think breaking up the Wyatt family was not a smart move. We all said that when it happened. I mean, three, four months later, at this point, it's still not the right move to make. But I digress. So, good stuff from Reigns and Big Show. Hopefully, they'll you know have their first match with a clean finish. Maybe on the first Raw of 2015. you got to make that show out to be a big deal. It's always been a big deal for the last couple of years. First Raw of the year, after all the holiday shows, that's the first time in a long while that you'll be able to get... A big chunk of your audience back that didn't tune in for the Christmas Raw or the New Year's Raw. The first Raw of the year is always big. you got to do something huge for that show. And, I mean, Roman Reigns versus Big Show isn't going to light the world on fire. But that would be a nice hook for the first Raw of the year if they deliver a clean finish finally. So up next, we have Natalia versus Brie Bella. A fine matchup. Obviously, anything the women on the main roster do will always pale in comparison to what the women do in NXT. I don't blame that on the talent. I talked about that last week. But um, it's just more so in the booking of these characters and WWE not treating them like equals. 
um, to the women down in NXT. I mean, there's com- two completely different writing teams. Whatever, I'm not going to go into that right now. But the match is fine for what it was. The Brie Bella shit is so stupid. Um, I mean, this has been going on for a long time. And I mean, I reserve judgment for a while. And that after Survivor Series, I mean, RJ and I talked about this for weeks. And that we didn't rule out a heel turn for Brie Bella at Survivor Series. And that they finally join up. But I mean, they really haven't gone full on on with it. Like, they haven't really engaged fully into that storyline. Brie Bella said in like a, a comment in passing a couple of weeks ago. Maybe a TLC it might have been. In that she and Brie were both, um, she and Brie were both, you know, of the same blood. So therefore, that's more important than Brie Bella feuding with her sister. Some bullshit answer like that. And so they never really fully explain why these two are back together. I mean, I would be fine if they reunited as heels, but at least have Brie Bella fully explain her actions and why she's rejoining Brie Bella or Nikki Bella rather after feuding with her for the last three four months. That doesn't make any fucking sense whatsoever. And, I mean, it's one of the many problems with WWE, thinking that we're idiots. And like I said before, I reserved judgment because I thought that Brie Bella would turn on her sister. But that didn't happen. They're back together. I mean, I thought it was going to happen at TLC. She would either cost her sister the title or do something to tease tension. And, like I said, maybe they're going to do that at some point and have Brie turn on her sister again, like what Nikki did to her. And then have them feud over the championship at WrestleMania. But that's too fucking long. People think that Brie Bella is on the same page as Nikki. People, most people that have no idea what to think. Because they have yet to explain the the actions of Nikki Bella. So, I mean, it's really just a fucking waste of time. It's really, really stupid. I mean, I didn't have a problem with the feud. I mean, I did in the beginning, obviously, because it was so fucking terrible. But afterwards, when they shoved it down our throats, I mean, uh, I didn't have really have much of a problem with it after that happened. Because it was really just kind of a lower card feud. Not really in the way of anything. And then they go back to this shit. And it really just makes no sense. They do the whole 30 days servant thing. That pretty much did nothing. That really was a waste of time. And now they're back on the same page with zero explanation whatsoever. So hopefully they can either explain it away or have Brie turn on her sister sooner rather than later. I thought it would happen at TLC. It didn't. And uh, people just, you know, when Brie comes out with that Brie mode or <laughs> whatever the fuck it is, people just sit on their hands because they, uh, they they just don't care. So uh, up next, we have Los Matadores versus Golden Stardust. Comedy, Christmas silliness. Really didn't expect anything more from this. Uh, or anything less from this, rather. Fine matchup. Los Matadores going over. Really not that surprising. They defeated, um, what team was it? The Real Americans. I was watching the Christmas Raws from 2012 and 2013, and Los Matadores defeated the Real Americans on last year's show. It's a Christmas Raw. Most of the babyfaces go over. I mean, looking up and down the roster right now, or the match results, almost all the babyfaces went over, with the exception of the main event and a few others. But um, So I really wasn't that surprised about it. El Torito picking up the victory. I wouldn't go so far as to say that Gold and Stardust are being buried right now. I mean, they just lost the tag team titles a month ago. Kind of a pointless reign when you think about it. They were just kind of uh, transitional champions before they lost the titles to Miz and Mizdow at Survivor Series. But, um, yeah, that being said, though, I mean, Golden Stardust, I've said this before, but it's really time for Stardust or Cody to ditch the fucking Stardust character and finally go back to being Cody Rhodes. It's more. It's, it's been more than enough time where... They've gotten everything they've gotten out of this gimmick, or really haven't gotten anything out of it at all. I don't really know what the point of it was. They wanted to keep Golden Stardust or Goldust and Cody on the same page, then they already are they were already over as themselves, so I really saw no reason to turn Cody into Stardust. I've talked this at length in the past the last six months now, I've been ranting about this. But um I really, really hope maybe the, the constant losses for Golden Stardust will lead to Goldust turning on Stardust 
and then Stardust coming back as Cody Rhodes in the Rare Rumble matchup. I think that could be awesome. I don't expect it to happen. Hopefully we can finally get the Goldust Cody feud that I've been waiting oh so long for. But um, still, though, that's a feud that we've been waiting on forever and for now. And I mean, I don't know. It's just a complete waste of time. I have no idea why they really haven't split up that team already. I mean, it's a nice addition to the tag team division. But what good are they really doing when they're not, you know, when they're just jobbing out to random comedy teams like Los Matadores? The only hope that Los Matadores have at this point in time is if they ditch. Also, you know, same with them, is if they ditch the stupid Matador gimmick. They've been doing it for far too long now. They got everything out of it, which was nothing at all because it was a dumb gimmick from the start. Primo and Epico, not the most charismatic team in the world, but they are better off as, as themselves than they are these stupid gimmicks because I think as with these gimmicks, it's just a complete waste of time. But up next, though, Dolph Ziggler versus Luke Harper for the Intercontinental Championship in a rematch from TLC, but much like Rollins and Cena, no stipulation attached, which I thought was for the better. Um... Easily, easily the best singles standard match, with the exception of the, of the latter match at the pay-per-view. The best singles match these two have had over the Intercontinental Championship up to this point. Great matchup, really, really enjoyed it. Dolph Ziggler getting attacked by Luke Harper before the contest, and very similar to their, um, when Luke Harper won the Intercontinental Championship for the first time a month and a half ago, right before Survivor Series, when the Authority laid out Dolph Ziggler, and Dolph Ziggler fought back against Luke Harper and all this other stuff, and... He had to fight back against Harper the entire matchup, fighting an uphill battle. Eventually, it was proved to be too much for him and lost the IC title to Luke Harper. So a similar story being told here. Harper, you know, taking advantage of Ziggler before the matchup. So it added a unique feel to it in saying that this is not any ordinary championship matchup. This means something. There is a chance that Harper wins back the title here. I did not rule that out whatsoever, given how many title changes we've seen with the Intercontinental Championship for the last three to four months. So that wouldn't have surprised me in the least. But, um... Still, though, I thought this was a great match. A lot of awesome chemistry that Ziggler and Harper have. A lot of close near falls from Harper, especially. And Ziggler hitting... I think Harper was setting up a really sweet spot in this matchup. And where Harper was setting up for the clothesline. And Dolph Ziggler reversed into the super kick. But Harper hit the clothesline anyway. And a six, it was a sick series of uh, maneuvers. I thought that was awesome. And a sweet uh, combination, I guess you can call it. So I thought that was a great, great touch for a very close near fall. And um, Harper at one point hitting the Michinuku driver, I think it's what it's called. I mean, he's been doing that forever now, but I just thought it was interesting when Michael Cole actually called the move by its name for the first time, and I think ever, <laughs> which I thought was awesome. And um, JBL was like, what did you just call it? It's like the Michinuku driver. And uh, JBL was like, hmm. Jerry Lawler was like, oh, that's a new move, I think. He's like, no, no, but he's had it for a while. They just, I just don't call it by its name. And I mean, he didn't say that, but... Uh, he did say that Harper's been doing it forever, so I thought that was funny. Christmas miracles, I guess, are possible after all. So Dolph Ziggler comes out victorious after two super kicks and a zigzag to Harper to retain the Intercontinental title. Great match. Ziggler being interviewed by Jerry Lawler after the contest saying that 2015 is going to be his year. And they've been really pushing that since Survivor Series. After the huge win that he picked up at Survivor Series, the huge win where he won back the Intercontinental Championship in his hometown of Cleveland at TLC a couple of weeks ago, they've been really pushing the narrative that Dolph Ziggler, 2015 is going to be his year. And I really hope it is. They're really pushing that. It's not going to be a great year for him, but they're pushing that 2015 is going to be the year where Dolph Ziggler becomes the man in WWE. Not necessarily like the next John Cena, like the face of the company, where he finally becomes a main eventer again. And I, I guess you can make the case that he kind of already is. He's been main eventing Raw. He main evented 
the Survivor Series pay-per-view where he won um, for his team all by himself. So, I mean, with the help of Sting, obviously, but you know where I'm going with this. Still, though, Dolph Ziggler, is 2015 going to be the year where he finally becomes a main eventer? I sure as hell hope so. I really... I don't want to put too much faith in WWE that they're finally pushing him the right way because we've seen this with Dolph Ziggler before. I thought 2011 would be his year when he was contending for the World Heavyweight Championship against Edge um, week after week over on the SmackDown brand, and that really went nowhere. Dolph Ziggler was you know, back to becoming a, uh, just another guy in the roster when he moved to Raw a couple of months later. Uh, so I thought 2011 was going to be his year. I thought 2013 was going to be his year when he beat John Cena at the end of 2012 in that awesome ladder match in the main event of TLC. And granted, he did win the World Heavyweight Championship, but it was one of the most lackluster championship reigns in the history of that title because he got injured, he was out for a while, in his first title defense in his first match back, he lost to Del Rio. So um, I'm really, really hoping. Maybe it's an every other two-year thing. Every other year they try to push Dolph Ziggler towards the top of the card. I really don't know. But um, I'm really, really hoping that 2015 is going to be the year that Dolph Ziggler finally breaks through that proverbial glass ceiling and re-enters the main event scene where he belongs. And I mean, that, like I said before, I don't have much faith in WWE. I'm not holding out hope because we have seen before all these certain stop pushes with Dolph Ziggler and that people, you know, by a certain point, just stop caring about him and think of him solely as a, as a mid-card guy. Thankfully, they've changed that perception in the eyes of many when they had him win at Survivor Series, they had him win at TLC in an awesome match. So I'm really, really hoping that this will be the year where they finally deliver on their promise. Dolph Ziggler, will he become World Heavyweight Champion again? Who knows? After Brock Lesnar drops that title and we finally get the title back on an active, on an active member of the roster, it is possible. I would say there is a chance that Ziggler could become World Champion again in 2015. Hopefully they can just keep on pushing him towards the top. I mean, this would not be the first time. It would actually be like the, the 50th time where we've seen a wrestler, like, they try to push him towards the top going into the new year, saying, oh, this is going to be a big year for the new guy, for so-and-so, for Kofi Kingston, for Wade Barrett, for Cesaro. And then they go back on their promise, and then they're back to jobbing and just being another guy in the roster by, you know, the midpoint of the year. So I'm really, really hoping. And I mean, that this Dolph Ziggler is different in that this guy helped save the WWE in, in storyline, obviously, at Survivor Series. They gave him his fourth IC championship. He's finally making that title mean something, which is awesome. But um, I guess only time will tell. That's really all I can say. I mean, I hope they're finally being truthful and they'll finally deliver on their promise and they'll finally make Dolph Ziggler a main event star that he was destined to be. But like I said, only time will tell in, in terms of whether Dolph Ziggler will get the, per, will get the push that he um, most definitely deserves. So, up next, we had Roddy Roddy Piper returning to Monday Night Raw, hosting the Piper's Pit with the United States champion Rusev and Lana. Uh, good back and forth between them on the mic, really nothing all that notable. You knew where this was going between Rusev and Ryback. And I love the idea of these two feuding going into the next pay-per-view. Hopefully, they don't give it around. They don't give it before then. They don't give it away like they did with Harper and Ziggler on the show or Cena and Rollins or Wyatt and Ambrose. This is one match which can make for an awesome undercard match of the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. And likely they will probably give it away before then because it is only late December. They have another month to go, and they'll probably give it away on an episode of Raw before then. And even if they do a shitty finish, that's fine, but you can't give away the clean finish. And maybe even the, the finish of that match, whenever it's going to happen, whether it be at the Royal Rumble or wherever, won't be a clean finish. I have no idea, but I think it'd be great if they really saved this, their first encounter in singles competition until the pay-per-view. I love Ryback. I've been loving the way that they've been pushing him towards the top again. He got an awesome, strong reaction last night on Raw with the Feed Me More chance. He's been getting over like crazy these last couple of months since his comeback to the company. 
which is awesome. They're finally doing well with the big guy, which is great to see. And uh, Rusev, too. I mean, geez, you talk about Rusev. I mean, RJ and I were talking about earlier this year where they were airing the vignettes for this guy and that he was going to be the next Vladimir Kozlov. And, I mean, Vladimir Kozlov was undefeated by this point in his career when he was, you know, going, going unbeaten um, in 2008. But the difference between Kozlov and... Rusev is that Rusev has been built up the right way. He went from you know beating guys like Sankara and R-Truth and Xavier Woods to facing guys, former champions like Big E and Jack Swagger, to beating guys like Mark Henry and Big Show. And that's a big deal, no pun intended. He's been slowly ascending the roster. He beat, you know, he was involved in the main event of Survivor Series a couple of months ago. So they're really doing right by Ryback, giving him the United States Championship, making that title mean something. So it's great. I really enjoy what they're doing with uh, with uh, with Rusev right now, as well as Ryback. And it's a clash of two monsters. I would have liked to see this match at WrestleMania, but maybe they have bigger plans for both guys at WrestleMania. Hopefully for for Ryback, who deserves a bigger spot, in, considering how over he is right now, and hopefully Rusev as well. I mean, obviously there were rumors of doing John Cena versus Rusev at WrestleMania, and I mean, it was almost exactly around this time of year last year when they when they pitched the idea on the dirt sheets of Cena and Wyatt, and we ended up getting that match at WrestleMania, so it's not completely out of the ordinary for, you know, the dirt sheets to be rumoring our matchup and for it to happen, actually, at WrestleMania, so you never really know. So I would not be surprised if, um, I mean, this could carry into WrestleMania. That'd be pretty cool. I don't know how you can drag this on for the next three to four months. But I think it'd be great if they can carry this match on, carry this feud on between Rusev and Ryback going into the biggest show of the year. I think it'd be awesome. But, um, yeah, like I said before, they're doing really, really well by Ryback and Rusev right now. It's going to be a clash of the two monsters. And you could definitely tell in, in, on Monday Night Raw last night that the crowd was very anxious to see these two finally go out. I mean, there was some brawling. But Ryback was setting up his finishing maneuver, and Rusev got out of it. So, when, if and when he finally hits that meat hook clothesline or that shell shocked on Rusev, the place is going to go nuts. And if he wins that U.S. Championship, I mean, if Ryback was the one to beat Rusev finally, I can't say I have much of a problem with it. Maybe I'm biased in that I'm being a and being a Ryback fan. But, I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I mean, I think it'd be better than John Cena. At least Ryback can get a nice rub out of it, finally win his first singles title in WWE. And, um, I mean, it'd be better than John Cena. I mean, other than uh, other than uh, Ryback, there's really just not many other people that are, like, legitimate contenders. I mean, it sounds weird for an undefeated guy, but, you know, legitimate threats to Rusev. I mean, maybe Dolph Ziggler, but Dolph Ziggler's lost to Rusev in the past. Daniel Bryan, I have no idea when he's going to be back. Maybe Dean Ambrose. I, heard that I, uh, I think they're facing off this week on SmackDown. He's not losing, obviously, but I think they're having a title match this week on SmackDown. So, um, still, though, I think Ryback, if he was the one to finally beat Rusev, wouldn't have much of a problem with it. But either way, really looking forward to the eventual encounter between these two behemoths at either on an upcoming episode of Raw or hopefully at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view next month. So, up next, we had a multi-diva Santa's Little Helper uh, matchup between Alicia Fox, Naomi, Emma, and with the other team consisting of Paige, Cameron, and Summer Rae. Match lasted all of two, three minutes. Paige was the highlight. Like, her mannerisms as a heel are comical. I love it. She's so funny. But um, aside from that, though, the match is, I mean, it was what it was. I mean, it wasn't terrible, um, which is, you know, an achievement whenever Cameron is involved. They're, uh, um, you know, and she was actually the only really bad wrestler in this match. I mean, Alicia Fox is actually quite good. Naomi and Emma are both great, and uh, Summer Rae and Paige are also awesome as well. So Cameron eventually, or thankfully, wasn't in the ring for longer than she needed to be. I think she was actually the one that took the pinfall for her team. It was the you know the regular 
the Divas Christmas match that we get every year, so I didn't really have much of a problem with it. And like I said before, they kept the Christmas shit to a minimum. And I say shit in like the slightest sense of the word in that I enjoyed it, but I mean, for the people that don't like the holiday stuff during the holiday week in WWE, I mean, it's it, it drags down the program for them, and I don't, you know, I don't really blame them, especially with it being a three-hour show nowadays. So it's not the worst thing in the world. But you know what? I enjoyed it. It was fine for what it was. Alicia Fox's team picks up the victory. Um, and it looks like, I forgot to mention this before, but it looks like Nikki Bella and Brie Bella, or Nikki Bella and uh, Natalia will be up next for the Divas Championship, at uh, whether it be Royal Rumble or wherever. I don't know what happened to AJ. I, don't, I certainly don't believe the rumors of her leaving the company. I don't think, um, I, I mean, I've talked about this before here on the show, and that there have been rumors after rumors after rumors of her leaving the company after Survivor Series, after WrestleMania, after fucking SummerSlam, after TLC. I know she's not on TV right now, but I think it's probably better that she's not on TV and they wait for, you know, for her to do something or give her something to do as opposed to, you know, putting her in these shitty mat and putting her in these shitty Christmas matches where she wouldn't, you know, fit in at all. She's not the kind of diva that would be, you know, involved in these kind of matches anyway at this point in career and given her current character, so I don't really have a problem with her taking hiatus for right now. Maybe she's getting time off. I'm not really sure. It would be great. But, um, you know, if she's not going to be involved in the Divas Championship picture, and, and she shouldn't be. I mean, they already got everything they could out of Nikki Bella and AJ. But um, hopefully they give her some time off. She comes back and maybe does something with Stephanie. I think that could be awesome. I don't know how you write back Stephanie into the mix. But it'd be great to see AJ and Stephanie have a match at WrestleMania. I think that could be really, really cool. So up next, we had The Miz versus Jimmy or Jay Uso. They said in commentary it was Jimmy, but I heard backstage in uh, one of those backstage Fallout videos after the show ended that it was Jay. It really doesn't matter. Miz picked up the victory. Um, the storyline itself between Naomi, Miz, and Jimmy, it's been good, but I think at this point they really just don't know where, where they're going with it. I mean, it's great to see an actual feud in the tag team division for once as opposed to a fucking random, uh, you know, a, a random, uh, no, no storyline at all, basically. I mean... This may, I mean, it's simplistic. I mean, the whole steal your girl kind of thing, having her distract the tag team, having, you know, your mind off the ball and having the mind, having your, you know, your focus on her. It's, you know, been a very simplistic storyline dating back to, you know, like the, the 90s. I mean, it's one of those simple storylines in wrestling that no matter how simple it is, it works. So I don't really have a big problem with it. Um, just the only issue is that it doesn't look like they have really an end game in mind. They're just kind of filling up time on Raw until they have their next rematch for the WWE Tag Team titles, which I imagine is coming up sooner rather than later with um, with the Royal Rumble coming up. Maybe they save off the rematch, and maybe they hold off on the rematch until the Royal Rumble. I'm not really sure. But you know that's the direction they're going in since the Usos technically won the matchup at the TLC pay-per-view via disqualification. So they are due a rematch with the WWE Tag Team titles. So hopefully we see that before long and... Where they're going with this storyline, I don't know. I don't think they're going to break up Jimmy and Naomi. They are a real-life couple, so they wouldn't do that. Um, or, and I hope they don't break up the Usos. I don't think they would anyway. They're much better off together than they are on their own, because on their own they would just flounder on superstars for the rest of their career before getting uh, released. So hopefully that's not where they're going. I don't think they even even WWE knows where they're going with this storyline. So uh, hopefully they... you know. Uh, take on the next chapter in this storyline before long, before, you know, it just starts to get old. So we get to the main event, a miracle on 34th Street Fight between Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose. I really enjoyed this matchup. I saw a lot of complaints that, oh, Wyatt and Ambrose are both crazy characters. They're both cool characters. They shouldn't be involved in Christmas silliness. I mean, that being said, but yeah, like I said before, they're both crazy characters. So it kind of fits in with the theme of the match. And that they'll both do anything and 
Ambrose is always like he's kind of like an internet troll kind of character. I mean, it's kind of weird to say, but um, he's like one of those guys that will do something dumb and make it look cool, like the whole the trickers the tricker street fight that he had with Cesaro, which I still think is a clever ass name on the Halloween episode a couple of months ago. That was really fun. This was nothing short of entertaining, in my opinion. A lot of cool spots. Loving it. A lot of similar spots to what they did at TLC with Ambrose jumping off the ladder and through the table to Dean uh, to uh, Bray Wyatt. So a lot of similar stuff, but they also brought in some new stuff as well with the presence. I mean, I always enjoyed this kind of shit. I enjoyed it when uh, Otunga and Orton did it a couple years ago. I enjoyed it when Cena and Del Rio did it two years ago. It's always good. And I thought these two uh, fit in with the theme of the match very nicely. It was kind of similar to their Tribute to the Troops match, their boot camp match. They had at the Tribute to the Troops show last week if you watched it. But um, yeah, a lot of entertaining action, but the ending came when something happened with Ambrose. I forgot what it was, but then Wyatt threw his head. I think Ambrose missed a move or something, but Ambrose took his head, or Wyatt took the head of Ambrose and chucked it right into the Signapore cane or the kendo stick that was sticking out of the turnbuckle and uh, right into the eyes, and they were trying to play it off as that, even though Ambrose didn't sell the injury afterwards, so I don't know what they were trying to go for. And then Ambrose gets covered by Wyatt, one, two, three. Wyatt wins cleanly. I mean, even though he used the, the kendo stick, whatever, it really doesn't matter. Technically, it was cleanly because it's all a part of the matchup. But I was shocked. I was very, very shocked that not only Wyatt won, but it was on the Christmas show, too. You would think they would have the babyface go over. And granted, Ambrose got the better of Wyatt afterwards by attacking him and putting him through another table. I mean, that's all well and good, but Ambrose, at the end of the day, lost again to Bray Wyatt. And I mean, I've been one as big of an Ambrose fan as I am in that I really didn't have much of an issue with him losing at Hell in a Cell to Seth Rollins. I didn't, have, I didn't have an issue with him losing at Survivor Series. Fuck, I didn't even have an issue with him losing at, um, at TLC a couple of weeks ago because Wyatt has, needs the wins more. I mean, this one I didn't agree with, but Wyatt needs the wins more in that I don't think he's going to be facing Undertaker at WrestleMania. I think that's a bullshit rumor. I don't even think Undertaker, based off the recent photos will be wrestling at WrestleMania. But if he is, it's going to be against Sting. I don't think Wyatt and Undertaker... Um, you don't have Sting and Triple H and then Undertaker-Wyatt. That just makes no fucking sense to me. Why even bother? Um, you don't have Undertaker and Sting on the same show if they're not going to be facing each other. If, if Undertaker's going to be coming back at all, it's not going to be against Wyatt. But I digress. But yeah, Wyatt needed the wins more because Ambrose is over. Wyatt was... I don't really like to use his term, but he was quote-unquote buried at the hands of John Cena earlier this year. And during the summer season, the entire Wyatt family was destroyed by John Cena. So he needed the wins the more. So I was fine with him winning at TLC. But on the Christmas Raw, really, you couldn't give Ambrose the win. And like I said before, Ambrose won the Tribute to the Troops match, which is good. But WWE didn't even acknowledge that win um, during the course of Raw last night. They acknowledged the Survivor Series stuff. They acknowledged the, the TLC win for Wyatt. But they, didn't, they, they failed to mention the fact that he beat Wyatt one-on-one -on -one in their boot camp match at Tribute to the Troops last week, so it technically doesn't even count. I mean, I love Tribute to the Troops, I enjoyed that show, go back and watch it if you want, but um, it just kind of felt like a waste of time, because they gave him that win, but still, Ambrose has yet to beat Bray Wyatt one-on-one, -on -one if you don't count that show, because if it doesn't happen on Raw, if it doesn't happen on SmackDown, if it doesn't happen on the pay-per-views, it technically doesn't happen at all, and the Tribute to the Troops show is kind of a show on its own, so they don't really count it, so I'm happy he won there, but, you know, if, you, if we're talking Raws here and we're talking pay-per-views, Ambrose has yet to beat Bray Wyatt. And I thought that was a very dumb move, to be quite honest with you. I thought the match was great, and not to take away from the action of this matchup at all, but they could have very easily given Dean Ambrose a win here. And maybe they're building up to that, but like I said before, really don't want to see them wait on this feud until the Royal Rumble. 
They already had the TLC matchup, so there's really not much more you can do with this feud. And I was hoping that this would be the blow-off here with Ambrose coming over. You end the you end the Christmas show with Ambrose finally getting his big win over Bray Wyatt. Like, that would have been great, but they had Bray Wyatt win again. And Dean Ambrose made out to look like a loser. It's not going to ruin his character. It's not the, the most harmful thing in the world. It's not going to do ten times the more damage that it did to Bray Wyatt when he lost to John Cena a million times. But um, still, though, I mean, to have this guy lose to Wyatt... Time after time after time, unless they're building to a heel turn for Ambrose, which, you know what, they very well might be, because they're short on heels right now with uh, Seth Rollins is obviously the top heel, but when Orton comes at, when Orton comes back, he'll be a babyface. Roman Reigns came back as a babyface. Uh, when Daniel Bryan comes back, whenever it may be, he'll be a babyface. So, you know what, maybe they'll push Dean Ambrose as a heel, but I think it's, very too, I, I think it's way too soon for that. And that he's so over right now that there's no real need to turn him heel. So unless they're going that route with it, I really have no idea where they're going with this uh, with this whole character development with Wyatt and Ambrose. I'm hoping this is the end of it. It probably won't be, but um, maybe it won't be. Maybe they'll finally give Ambrose his win. But in what other match can you do where he'll finally pick up that victory over Bray Wyatt if they've already faced off in a TLC match, in a boot camp match, in a Miracle on 34th Street fight. Like, I thought it was a great match, don't get me wrong, but Wyatt winning again. I love Wyatt, I like the fact they're finally building him up as a legitimate threat, but not at the expense of Dean Ambrose. Someone mentioned this last night in a comment thread that I was reading, but and they made a great point in that this feud, I think the biggest problem with it is the fact that it happened way too soon. Wyatt's first feud back should not have been against the guy that also needs a win. Dean Ambrose needs a big win right now. He hasn't got a big win in quite a while. Bray Wyatt needed it more because he wasn't as over as Dean Ambrose, in my opinion. So I'm glad he won a TLC, and I'm glad they're finally building him up. But Ambrose needs that win before people look at him like a loser. So hopefully they can give him that big win before long. And like I said before, the biggest issue with this feud is the fact that both guys needed wins at the time when they started it back in October. Bray Wyatt's first feud back should have been with either Sheamus or, I don't know, a, a guy that he could easily lose to or that he could easily beat and have them, you know, have not them be damaged by it. And Dean Ambrose, he's not heavily damaged by this, but I would be lying if, it didn't, uh, if I said it didn't do some damage to his character to be losing to Wyatt week after week after week. So hopefully they can blow off the feud before long if this wasn't the blow-off already. And they can, um, I mean, th th this would have been better suited at WrestleMania, but... At this point, it really doesn't matter. They're not going to, you know, build this. They're not going to continue this on for another three, four months, much less for the next month before Royal Rumble. But um, like I said before, hopefully they can give Dean Ambrose that big win either at Royal Rumble or at WrestleMania, Fastlane, whatever. Because this guy needs wins. But like I said before, glad to see Wyatt picking up victories and uh, on the whole, really great match from them in the Miracle on 34th Street in the main event of Monday Night Raw. So on the whole, I thought this was a great match. I really enjoyed it. Or a great show on the whole. Um, the Christmas Raw usually is very holiday-themed, really bogged down with a lot of holiday shit and throwaway matches. But this year's Christmas Raw, I thought, was an improvement. A lot of this stuff was really, really good. I enjoyed seeing it in Rollins. I enjoyed Piper's Pit. I enjoyed Hogan being there, dressed up as Ho-Ho Hogan. I enjoyed Ambrose and Wyatt in the main event. I enjoyed Reigns and Big Show. I enjoyed Dolph Ziggler and Luke Harper. And the stuff that really didn't, like, that wasn't all that noteworthy or that was kind of dumb, like uh, the Fondigo Swagger stuff, the Adam Rose stuff, the Divas match, like, it wasn't bad enough to the point where it ruined the show for me or it was terrible. Like, most of the stuff was either decent or forgettable or throwaway. It wasn't, like, horrendously bad. So that's really, really good. So I thought this was a great show, to be quite honest with you. I enjoyed it. Maybe part of it has to do with me being as big of a Christmas mark as I am. But um, I always enjoy the Christmas shows anyway. But when they take it seriously and add some big-time matches like Cena and Rollins and 
Wyatt and Ambrose to their shows and have them close the show over over Cena and Rollins. That that was really good too. I forgot to mention that. Is really a nice refreshing change of pace. So on the whole, really enjoyed the show. Um, but to close out the show, like I said before, I forgot to mention I forgot to mention this at the top of the hour. But I'm at the top of the show. But make sure you have one week left to vote in the 2014 WWE Tina Year in Review Awards right here on NextEraWrestling.net. Um, go to Week in Review. It's a drop-down menu. Click on Year in Review Awards. You can vote right there. There's like 10 different polls, maybe if that, maybe even more. Um, with Match of the Year, Superstar of the Year, Show of the Year, Disappointing Superstar of the Year. Moment of the year, I think. I don't think moment of the year is on there, but pay-per-view of the year. There's so much stuff to vote on. So make sure to vote in each and every category. We've got a lot of people voting so far, which is great. Really do appreciate it for everyone that's voted so far. If you haven't, make sure to do so. You have one week left. The polls will close at midnight next Tuesday, December 30th. And I'll be reading off the results of the polls and giving my analysis of each one next week on the final WrestleRant Radio of 2014. So that's going to be the basis of next week's show. I'll be reviewing the results of those polls and reviewing 2014 as a whole for WWE and TNA and, you know, just the entire year as a whole, wrestling-related or not. That being said, folks, always appreciate you tuning in. Hope you guys are having a great holiday season and taking your time out of your week, out of your holiday week to listen to the show. Really means a lot to me. Um, if you want to support the show, you can follow me on Twitter at WrestleRant. Find me on Facebook at Graham Jason Matthews. YouTube, Graham Jason Matthews as well. And Bleach Report, the same thing. So as always, where you're listening to the show right now, NextAirWrestling.net. Make sure to check out all the reviews that I got up right now on Next Air Wrestling. My reviews of Raw, SmackDown, TLC, TakeOver 2, and everything else. Um, so it really does, it really does mean a lot to me, seriously, so, um, hope you guys are having a great season, great holiday, um, a great holiday season, I hope you guys have a great Christmas, and only two days from when I film this, if you're listening to this on Christmas Eve, on Christmas itself, or even after Christmas, I hope you had a great Christmas. And I know I certainly will too. So make sure to check back next week for the 2014 Year in Review show. It's going to be a big blockbuster episode. You are not going to want to miss this. So in the meantime, and in between time, folks, thanks for listening. Have a great holiday season, and I'll catch you next week for the final WrestleRant Radio of 2014. See you then, guys.